This is the BCA Podcast, the outreach arm of Beards Creek Adventures, and your weekly source for all things faith, family, and stewardship. We're your hosts, Charlie and Mike Culkin. Join us each week for interviews, discussions, laughs, and encouragement. We hope you guys enjoy the show. Welcome back to BCA, and uh, this week we have a repeat offender, uh, <laughs> John Goodwin from uh, Wild Game Freaks. This is like your fourth, third or fourth time. I don't know. I'm losing track. It's just such a good time. Every yeah. Time. Just keep coming back. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, John, I, I'm not sure how come we are still friends. <laughs> like, yeah. Especially when I keep lying like that. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking because you're such a big rock star. Oh. You got this mega church that you're pastoring and yeah. uh-huh. your kids are all like, they've never done anything wrong. Perfect marriage. You're running oh, a massive, yeah. uh, massive online industry. I don't know if you said anything true. <laughs> I tried not to. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. We're, we're celebrating about a year of, of friendship, which is, uh, yeah, I don't really know how long it is. I, I yeah, try somewhere to, in there. It kind of feels, uh, yeah. Do uh, we get together after last season or is it? Yeah. Like, it might've even been during might've had one. I think we were like, I think maybe we grabbed something during bow season. Yeah. Yeah. We I think we one, did. Chinese. And then we went to great American. Yep. And, um, yeah. That was a real test, wasn't it? Like lunch, you can do an hour, hour and a half with yeah. everybody. Yeah. But a day in the in the truck yeah. and so this uh, year we're not driving down together. <laughs> no, I, I do have room in my room for you if you decide. Okay. To no, I appreciate that. Yeah, I, I still got to figure out some some details, but I mean, it's an amazing show. Incredible. Yeah. I'm I'm looking forward to it. It'll be fun yeah. to uh, to be with Moosey and to. To kind yeah. of see the that side of the the industry. Yeah, yeah, that'll be that'll be fun. You know, working with him, and you know, I'm looking forward to seeing Pete Rogers yep. and Pat Newcomb from Newcomb yep. Hunting Blinds, and you know, talk to a couple other people. There's a there's a, a oh geez, what's his Hollerback Game Calls? It's a new mm. company. Uh, he's going to be down there too. I met him on Instagram. He's a he's a believer. Mm-hmm. Puts scripture on all of his calls. It's really? Of, yeah, he does turkey. He does deer. He does, you know, uh, some sort of raccoon. He he's really expanding, doing more and more and more stuff. And it's all like beautiful hardwood. You know, I think turned on his lathe and yeah, custom. You know, stuff that looks like it should probably sit on your shelf because someone like me is going to scratch it up if I take it in the woods. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I have a goose call that's made out of, it was all turned. It's a beautiful goose call by a, uh, a guy locally. I forget what they called him. They called him like the, the goose man or something. Okay. It's the best goose call I've ever had. And I hate to use it because it's just so pretty, you know? Yeah. 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 So I'll, um, yeah, I'm going to connect with him. And he and I have been messaging back and forth quite a bit. He's down in uh, Virginia, maybe somewhere. Mm. So, 
Yeah, looking forward to always good to you know connect with fellow believers who are. I mean, he's yeah. very serious about his faith. Actually, I had to connect him with you for maybe for your show. So sure, sure. Anyway, and, and you know that's part of being down there. At least I, that was you know last year. I felt like okay, I made some different contacts. I was able to meet yeah. meet in person and yeah, um, yeah, and and obviously Pat as well. And um, you know, I think that's part of it. Is is the uh, uh, what do they call that? The networking that yeah, yeah. So. No, for sure. And 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 some of those don't go far. But no. you know, you think about you know, Pat and I had a long conversation on the phone this past week. You know, yeah. and he's again somebody I met at Great American last year. You know, and yeah. um, you know, I mean, you think you met Pete there, I and mean, he's going to be at your church. I mean, it's yeah. it's yeah. you know, it's really cool how you know you never know how the Lord will use stuff to connect people and yeah that's how it connected us right love for the outdoors and yeah you know and uh <laughs> yeah yeah it's good stuff <laughs> yeah so uh, looking forward to all of that that'll be that'll be yeah. a good week um yeah what uh so john our yes. listeners want to know oh how'd your how'd your season go well, it depends what I focus on because I, you know, I did share you. You asked me about a deer I missed. <laughs> I think last time was on. that's true. <laughs> I, I've lost track of when yeah. and where you were. Yeah. So uh, let's see. I got um, during bow season, I got two does in a buck. Uh, during gun season, I got two does and maybe a third. Maybe uh, you I don't say know. maybe a third because I I went and uh, did a hunt that I had a friend call me and he said hey we're gonna go to this farm where they want no deer basically they're not there's tons of deer they're eating the crops you know we're gonna push some blocks of woods in the middle of these ag fields and uh, deer ran out in front of us and three of us shot at it <laughs> and it died and uh, I, I you know maybe I shot it. <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah so but really i got i have five and five in the freezer this year so i can't complain uh didn't get a chance really with um you know rifle rifle hunting you know i live in a shotgun only area uh took my took my uh cva cascade to my in-laws uh, I have a new one it's in 308 i was really excited to use that and then didn't see any deer I mean, there was people hunting all the way around. Like, we found tree stands on the property line, a hunting blind that was right looking into the property, and it's just very frustrating. But I, I, I did ninety percent of my hunting uh, during gun season was with my muzzleloader this year. Mm. So both the both the does that I shot, uh, I shot with a muzzleloader. And that's a that's a CBA as well. Yeah, it's CBA Paramount HDR, and uh, just a amazing gun. So, um, yeah, I, I really enjoyed that. That was the first year hunting with that gun, and mm -hmm. uh, it was it was deadly. First year I shot, just dropped like a brick. She was you know thirty yards away, you know, with a forty five caliber. So. And then the second one I shot uh, was probably maybe 40 yards away. So, you know, 
every deer I shot was 40 yards or less this year. I tend to, I tend to gun hunt like a bow hunt. Um, yeah, yeah. I think you guys were talking about that a couple weeks ago on your show, but you know, there's something about like that close encounter that really gets my blood pumping, you know? Right. And, uh, so, um, yeah, so I'm trying to think, uh, what we even, so we talked about, I missed that one buck. Had I shot the one doe? I think I'd shot one doe when we spoke last time. So yeah, I, I, I shot my so. first um, <clears throat> saddle deer, right? I shot a that's, doe. That's of, the one we talked about. Yep. yep. Shot a doe out of the saddle. And then that first week of November, I shot a uh, shot a nice big doe. And it was kind of funny because my, my buddy and I are hunting on opposite sides of a real thick like bedding area. So we're not that far away, like 100 yards, 120 maybe. And I get a text from him. He said, hey, there's two does headed your way. So, which, you know, some people might think that's cheating, but, you know, how many years have we used radios, you right, know, and right. stuff? So, to me, that's no different. Uh, I was seeing them anyways because they walked right at me. And so, yeah. these two do I see these two does working their way in, you know, I don't know, less than 10 minutes after he texted me they pop out and they're coming straight at the tree first first deer keeps coming at me and i realize it's the smaller of the two deer the second one peels off and goes behind a tree and some brush at about 20 yards the first deer stops less than 10 yards from the tree and then goes like this <laughs> <laughs> so i'm standing there i got my bow up but i'm not a draw I'm holding my bow. I have my video set up in the tree. I'm videoing. And so I can't really, I'm like, shoot, what do I do? Like, she's looking right at me. The other doe is just big. She's a mm. big deer. So I'm like, that's the one I want to shoot. And like this one is facing me though. I can't shoot that one. I also can't move. And, and, you know, it was one of those, I mean, it was literally three, four minutes you know, at like eight, nine yards, <laughs> she's just, and I'm not moving. I'm not moving. She's not moving. And she's just got me pegged. And I'm like, and then this other doe finally steps out at 20 yards and I have this broadside shot and I'm like, you know what? I'm busted. I might as well try drawing. Yeah. So I got a full draw and that first doe didn't move. She's still wow. looking at me like, what the heck are you? So I got a full draw and I take a quick shot. The problem is I took a quick shot, <laughs> right? So uh, I was a little far back on her. Uh, they go running off. And uh, and I'm like, shoot, I think I hit. I think I hit guts. Like, I, mm. I think I, I probably hit liver. Um, and so I give her some time. I get down. I think this is like, I don't even think it's 9 o'clock in the morning. And uh, eventually I get down, I go look, and sure enough, there's guts on the on the mm -hmm. arrow, and I'm like, oh, no. Have so, you already shot the buck that you dragged? No, at this point, I had not shot that buck yet. Okay. Um, and because uh, that, was, that was two or three days later. Um, and so I text my buddy. I was like, dude, I just, I just shot a doe. He's like, well, let's look for it. I said, no. We're not looking for it. So I'm gonna I'm going back in the tree. I'm gonna sit tight for you know probably till eleven. And then I said I'm I'm gonna 
I'm going to go home and get coffee because it's right across the road from my house. So yeah. I said, I just don't, I don't want to push this thing. It'll die, you know, but you know, you push one that's been hitting the liver and the guts, like it'll surprise most people how far they'll go. It's, it's yeah. always fatal. Liver's always fatal. Guts always fatal, but they don't bleed. Yeah. <laughs> so, yep. so we went home, uh, Grab some, actually went and, I don't know, we went somewhere, grabbed some food for lunch, and then we didn't go back out till he, he got in his tree stand. I went looking for the deer at like 2.30. So, which I'm glad we waited because I, I you know, there was no blood, right? You know, which is often the case with that type of shot uh, or very little blood. And so I went in, ran out of blood, kind of had a heading to where it went. And I followed, you know, and did a big loop around and, you know, the, the blood stopped, you know, she's traveling this way, the blood stopped. And I think as soon as it stopped, she went that way, hmm. but I kept going this way, but I did a couple big loops and, and found her. And this is at like quarter to three. So six, seven hours later. And she was not stiff at all. Wow. So I believe that she died shortly before. I found her because they stiffen up pretty quick, you know? Yep. You know? uh, So again, I think it was a good lesson that patience typically aids in recovery, uh, learning to read what's on your arrow, learning to really hone into where you hit an animal. Um, Because if I had done my normal, Hey, I, I almost always wait an hour, you know, if I, if it's, you know, daytime hours anyway, you know, if I had just gotten down to look for, her, I think she would have just blown right out of there. Yeah. But uh, again, cause I think she had, she'd been dead probably less than a half hour in my opinion, based sure. on, you know, I've handled a lot of dead deer. Uh, so that was, that was that one. Uh, two, three days later, um, I shot my buck. He was a, you know, decent eight point, not, you know, not huge, not small, you know, okay. You know, not a bad buck. Um, he was, uh, he was, uh, rubbing a tree when I saw him. Funny thing is I kept hearing this squirrel and I'd see this squirrel and I'd look and I'd look, <laughs> you know how, I mean, we've all done it, right? If you've hunted a lot, you've had this happen. And then you, you look at uh, stupid squirrel, stupid squirrel. Then you hear the noise and you're like, okay, I guess I'll look and a tree shaking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, the edge of my woods, uh, there's a cornfield. So, and probably about 35 yards, maybe to the corn. So he's right just inside my woods, rubbing on it, working a rub. Yeah. And I watched him for a while and, uh, shot him as he was doing it and wow. double lunged him and heard him crash in the corn because you know mm. he took off he's hitting all of it <laughs> it was loud i was like so i say i always wait i was like you know i got a doe hanging in the tree now or no i didn't i guess i had two in the freezer anyway and uh, i was like ah, i'm just gonna go get him like because <laughs> yeah. i heard he piled up hard uh in the corn and uh you know, he was a, a deer that I actually um, missed. Did I tell you about that? I don't uh, think so. 
Yeah, so I had this deer show up early season, early first or second week in October. And he was very distinct because he had a this crab claw on the one side, you know, mm. and I had pictures of him on multiple trail cameras. So I, I knew this deer when I saw him. Well, early October, he showed up. And uh, so I'm in a tree stand. He shows up to my left behind me. So I have my bow. I'm turned around. So I'm strapped to that tree. I got a rope behind me this way. And I had a camera arm sticking off the other side of the tree, right? And this is where filming gets you in trouble a little bit. <laughs> he, he, I didn't have an opening to shoot him where he was traveling through, even though he was like 15 yards away. And he starts working to the left. I'm like, okay, now he's quartering away. And he's, you know, maybe 18 yards or whatever at this point. But the problem is I'm stuck with how I'm tied in mm-hmm. and I'm like, I'm going to have to completely turn around to go to the other side of the tree because I run out of tether room <laughs> with my, with my, <laughs> with my tree harness. And I'm like, it was one of those rookie moves where I said, nah, I'm good. I got this. And I kind of did one of the, you know, I, I just, lean and weigh the heck out i'm not bending at the waist i'm so i'm totally messed up my release point all this stuff whatever took a shot shot right over him again at less than 20 yards not proud of that um went went and retrieved my arrow there's nothing i didn't find anything not a hair and um so i was you know, pretty disgusted with myself. I, I even have that on video. I went back and looked. I'm like, yeah, I shot right over his back. Mm-hmm. Well, when I go to I re- noticed you haven't released that video. Uh, have I? Oh, maybe, I maybe you did. <laughs> <laughs> and so I go back. Uh, so fast forward to the first week of November, I see this deer. I shoot it. I walk up to it. I'm like, this is the one I keep seeing. This is the one I missed. And on the top of, right over his lungs, on the top of his back, there's a small bald spot. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm 99% sure it's from me yeah, that yeah. I gave him a haircut. Like, <laughs> didn't didn't open him up at all, but I gave him a haircut. And, yeah. uh, you know, so it's one of those... You know, there was a little bit of relief and redemption all wrapped into that, you know, because sure, uh, sure. I had a frustrating, I mean, I don't, I can't, I, well, you know, I miss, I, I one lung to buck as you and I talked about that I never found, which still drives me nuts. Yeah. And then I had that happen and I'm like, you know, so that's how I started my deer season, screwing up on two bucks. And I was wow. like kind of livid with my with myself you know yeah, i'm like yeah. what are you doing like you're better than this so um so um yeah so there was you know those three and then like i said i shot the two with the with the muzzle loader um did i send you the picture of the second doe i shot with the muzzle loader the exit hole yeah yeah i mean it was like i don't know if the whoop 
I don't know if the bullet went sideways when it went in, but it was like <laughs> it was insane. It was insane. What, uh, what kind of bullets are you using? Uh, let's see. They are the Powerbelt EL. Is it ELRs? They're like a long range. They're okay. they're a long range bullet. Um, that's recommended specifically for the Paramount. Because the Paramount's a by CVA is a um, precision long range mm -hmm. uh, muzzle loader. Uh, there's videos online of people shooting it out to 600 yards. That's crazy. I, I'm not in those videos. <laughs> <laughs> um, Maybe in the audience. But. Yeah, yeah. But but even the the powder, there's a specific powder that you use, and then you met you 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 know you don't do it by volume, you do it by weight. Um, yeah. So I weigh that, you know, so it's a little more you know you yep. precise it uses a, a, a rifle primer instead of a 209 mm -hmm. um but uh yeah overall i mean I, I had a good year um you know i hero mounted the buck and uh it's hanging up in the garage at the moment and yep. uh yeah I, I can't complain so freezer freezer's uh nice and full and got a bunch of back straps happy with that so beautiful, beautiful. <laughs> yeah yeah we had a yeah our season was interesting like we we worked hard the freezer's full but it was um it was feast or famine and yeah yeah uh, i think we mentioned it last week there was a there was a two-week period where the bucks just and, and really even the dough just disappeared i mean yeah it, yeah. We didn't get anything on camera. And um, I mean, it, we were grinding it out even to the last weekend. Charlie got a doe the last weekend and that was his only deer. And yeah, it was. a Yeah. I, I, uh, and I know a lot of people probably listen. They're like, oh, this guy got five deer. He's fine. But the reality is that that's not abnormal for me. Right. right. Uh, I live in a, a very high populated area of whitetail you know i will yeah. say that i mean I'd, I'd like to think i'm a good hunter although i've shared my failings but uh but i was really hoping to late season to find a deer me too for my um i had some family that was you know mm -hmm. hoping for some venison i mean we were good at my house but i had some family that was hoping for some and um it just they were i had pictures uh, well, when I finally had pictures, it was all at 2 a.m. Yeah. And I had nothing moving during the day. You know, yep. I would go, you know, spots where I could. And I have, uh, typically, I'm the only one that hunts a uh, number of spots. So I can, I typically don't over hunt places. Uh, mm -hmm. I have the ability to, you know, I have, I have the saddle. I have a climber. I have two, three, I have like, I don't know seven tree stands you know right near me that i can get into you know um and i just wasn't i wasn't seeing much sign i wasn't seeing yeah. you know which i wonder like you guys talked about last week on your podcast or this this week i guess it would be it'll be last week by the time people hear this but um, we're in the future yeah i don't know if there was some crop coming out of some oak trees somewhere that i didn't know about or yeah. or uh you know or or what i mean because even you know i figured you know the stand the corn behind me they cut that mid-november i only saw deer on that field once hmm. 
from then until the end of the the hunting season. I don't, and I was kind of shocked. I'm like, yeah, they take a, a lot of it off, but I'm like, yeah, there's, there's got to be something left, something there, you know. I mean, unless they were out in the dark, which is quite possible. I mean, um, so I don't, I don't know, but yeah, it was, yeah. it was weird. It was weird. It was, yeah. Yeah, so you've, this is your fourth podcast, but I think you get mentioned on just about every one of them. So yeah, yeah I, I heard probably ought to just go ahead and say sponsored by Wild Game Freaks. Oh, there we go. There we go. <laughs> I, yeah. We can't give you anything in return other than publicity. No, I just have to but, buy me lunch or something. I don't know. <laughs> whose turn is it? <laughs> I don't remember who bought last. I don't know. It's been a while because we, yeah. you know. Yeah, deer season gets in the yeah, way. Who's gonna who's gonna go out to lost your deer season? I mean, that's right. So, well, that's uh, that kind of that's a, probably a good way to transition to the second half of our conversation. Okay. Right? So, um, we we talked a little bit about um, you know over the the last year how we got connected was yeah. on Instagram. We both responded to something on uh, catch and release. Yep, and Moosey commented about. Um, you know, what are the chances of him living in Idaho and uh, having two New York pastors commenting on his page? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so out of that, somehow, you know, we connected for lunch and then we you talked about going to the PA show and uh, we've done lunch a number of times. But I think um, we've also uh, we probably talk or text just about weekly now. Yeah, um, I'd say so. Yeah, you're close. Yeah. Yeah. And it's been, it isn't always hunting, you know, we'll, right. we've shared pictures and, um, you know, I had a, a stressful situation this summer and, and, um, you know, connected with you on that for advice and you've done the same. And, um, so what I wanted to talk about today was this, the idea, you know, so much of hunting, we spend, uh, alone in a tree, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, and I think there's a, there's, I don't know if it's a men often, I think, feel they're, you know, they're kind of lone rangers anyways. A, a lot of the guys that I interact with don't have more than a handful of friendships. If that. Right. Right. And um, so I'm wondering, I, I guess probably rather than listening to me talk the whole time, but I, I'd love to know your thoughts on, um, you know, the importance of having friendships with other guys. Um, yeah. The idea of accountability, I know that's kind of a church word, but um, yeah. somebody who has influence in your life. And right. Um, so you can get us started on that. What do you do? You have those types of relationships? Do you have what do you? Yeah, I I, I wouldn't say I have a, a person that I would say that's my accountability partner. But right. I have people that I would say they are very close and they know they know stuff that no one else knows. Right. Yeah, so, yeah. which kind of is an accountability part. Then, right. Yeah, yeah. So, but we've, so, um, yeah, I think, you know, what, one thing comes to mind as we step in this conversation and I, I, I've shared this with many people over the years. So I have to forgive me if, uh, if I have shared it with, there's a train going by. I don't know if you can hear the train. So no. okay, good. All right. Um, it's very loud here. So if I look, yeah, straight, now I'm starting I, to hear. <laughs> sometimes they come by at like 11 a.m. on Sunday, which is awesome because our service yeah. starts at 10:30. So it's like mid sermon, you know. Mm -hmm. um, 
<clears throat> Years ago, I was at a conference and I heard this phrase from the speaker. He said, he asked the question, he said, how big is your sphere of influence? And then he went to qualify that statement. He said, I'm, I'm not referencing how many people you influence. Mm -hmm. I want to know how many people you allow influence you. Yep. And um, that's a question that's stuck with me because I think guys, guys are guarded. Because uh, let's be honest, I think from day one, at the age of nine, if you're my friend and I watch you screw up, I'm making fun of you. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> right. So, right. So, like, I don't want to share my screw ups. Like, I don't want to talk about how I missed a buck, you know, mm -hmm. or failed in a uh, relationship or wh whatever it may be. Right. Um, but if we don't have others that we allow to influence us in our hearts, we are really setting ourselves up for failure. Right. Yeah. I think it's so important for us to remember that life is bigger than than me, um, that other people are watching. Uh, you know, we taught we had that conversation a little bit before about, you know, Instagram and Facebook and whatever. But like my kids follow my page. Right. So uh, am I modeling to them? Um what what a godly man looks like when he engages online with you know in my case thousands of, of people daily uh and uh you know that's a a lesson for them to see uh, i i think so but yeah I, so i'm kind of walking around all of this but i have two uh two friends that live here locally that we do a lot of things together with mm -hmm. uh i say we because my my our, our families connect uh regularly you know we were at um my one buddy's house on uh new year's eve playing cornhole in the garage mostly we didn't watch any tv or anything but uh, and just talking about life it's mm. it was just a natural flow of struggles frustrations things that we were excited about concerns about our kids you know we all got college kids we have teenagers in the house you know we're all in the same area of of life uh season of life i guess rather and um so we share a lot of the same struggles yeah. uh, same questions and just being able to vocalize that and kind of just have that banter back and forth with these two guys like sometimes provides answers to 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 questions that are never even asked yeah you know um and i think the the importance of doing life together is so huge right i mean galatians chapter six says bear one another's burdens in the lord right and 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 that's a reality we 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 can't bear people's burdens if we're not present and we can't other people can't bear our burdens if we're not honest yeah and uh you know i i i was joking with my congregation on sunday about how you know we have these these lies that we give every day you know people will ask how we're doing and we start off by saying good when we're not 
And then uh, sometimes we tell them to have a good day when we don't wish it for them, <laughs> depending on who it is. But but we have we have we learned from a young age to feign health. Yeah. Um, and I think it's to protect us from judgment, but it also protects us from getting help. Mm-hmm. Not protect. That's not the right word. But you, but it hinders yeah, us yeah. from getting help and health. Uh, if I never say, hey, I'm struggling, how in the world am I going to get help? You know, you and I have had some of these conversations about about situations that we've had to deal with in our lives. It's like, hey, you know, Mike, what would you do here? Hey, John, what would you do here? And it's, uh, to me, uh, so, so very important. And I think there's an element there of, of discipline um, that that doesn't get discussed a lot uh, in Christian circles, and and I'm not talking about saying, hey, you have to have an accountability partner. No, but the the discipline of seeking help, yeah, uh, is incredibly important um, and necessary uh, for a believer, a man, I can only, you know, I speak of men because I'm a man, right. To, or, or, or woman too. Right. But, but anybody to, to thrive. Uh, Cause this life, man, there, I got a lot of questions. I don't have answers for. There's a lot of things I just don't know what to do. And yep. that's okay. Right. Yep. That's, that's yep. part of the, but there are other people that can help. So. And I uh, think John, I think uh, you, you've hit on that, that idea of, um, you know, that we're taught at a, at a very early age to not to not show our failings, to not show our shortcomings and to not look for help. Like, yeah, um, you know, I, I was raised and I preface this by saying I, I love my my dad. But it was you pull yourself up and his phrase growing up was you do what you have to do to do what you have to do. And right. Um, you don't you know, you don't ask for help, but like even. Uh, needing help to, you know, to build the cabin or to, to, you know, I don't know, remodel the house. Like it is, it takes everything in me to say to somebody, Hey, could you give me an afternoon? <laughs> you know? And I'm right. like, I'll lend you my truck. I'll buy you lunch and, you know, throw all these gifts at you, you know, so I don't feel indebted to them or whatever, right. but there's emotionally or internally, um, it is. And I think that's pretty common with guys that we struggled to say, um, what would you do? Or can you help me? Um, that kind of thing. Yeah. And and it's, and probably because it's like foundational to who we are in that, like you say, like as a kid, like, I mean, right. Yeah. You're, you know, similar age, right. Uh, Boys don't cry. Right. 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 And when they did, like the other boys made fun of them because they were told boys don't cry. Yeah. You know, don't, don't be a pansy, you know, grow up, don't be a girl. Like, you know, you, those are in, yep. in, in reality is like, and then I, I grew up in a house. I had three brothers still do actually still have three brothers, <laughs> but you know, failings and oh, what, you don't know that are you, are you stupid? You know, and, and I'm saying I had a horrible childhood, but, but you know, that's how kids are, you know? Sure. And, um, you know, we live in a day now where everything's about feelings. You know, we swung really hard the other way, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. The pendulum has swung, but 
but uh those of us that grew up in that time were like you know you think about you know how many times did you see your dad cry you know how many times did you see your, your grandpa cry you know whatever like I can think of twice that my dad yeah. did, never that my grandfather and my kids have seen me cry regularly. Yeah. Yeah. Often just in worship, but yeah. Um, or mistier or whatever. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think of my, uh, of Charlie was pretty young. Um, he was probably four or five and, you know, I don't even remember what the background was for it, but he was crying at some point and, um, and I remember Tom, ah, don't cry, suck it up, be a man kind of yeah. thing. He's four. Well, there was yeah. one time he he hurt himself and he's he's trying not to cry. And he's <laughs> dead. I I sucked it up and beat a man. <laughs> you yeah. know, and it, it was funny, but then I'm like, oh yeah, know, yeah. Funny hard. but not healthy. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> yeah. And, 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 and we talk and, about toxic. Go ahead. Yeah, no, it it and I again I think it's just it's kind of embedded in our society somewhat uh it's um especially certain segments of society right i would assume most of your listeners are probably guys mm -hmm. who are in the outdoor world yep so they're they would be more maybe manly men you know they're they've got bows and guns and knives and they're yeah. not scared of blood and you know they've probably broke a bone here and there you know with doing guy stuff, you know, they probably drive, most of them probably drive a truck, you know, yeah. whatever. Yeah. <laughs> right. You know, so stereotypical men, um, that only gets us so far. Right. right. Uh, you know, even, you know, and I think, you know, when I think of, 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 uh, others, I think one of the things that comes to mind is if we were to go to the new Testament and we were to find, uh, those 12 men that Jesus hung out with, number one, he he didn't come down. He he didn't need them. They needed him, right? Yeah. Did yeah. Jesus have to have disciples? Hmm. Uh, he could have still done miracles. He still could have fed people. He could have still healed people. He stood, a, you know, he would have taught. He could have taught in the synagogue. He could have whatever. But he constantly was having these moments where they would sit down together and he would teach yeah. and they would listen. Now, um, then we find this narrative about how he would send them out to do ministry, right? He would empower them to do what he had taught them to do. But it's unique. It's interesting is he never sent them alone. Right. He right. sent them in pairs. And uh, I think there's a lesson in that, right? That we often overlook. I think there's a lesson in that. Uh, even with, uh, you know, you, you go through, you know, you study the, the Pauline literature uh, and the epistles. Uh, quite often his letters, he has someone with him. You know, he'll reference, you know, such and such person says hi to sends his greetings. You know, he's as he's composing the letter, he's got a brother in Christ present. Yeah. And I, I don't I don't know what that dialogue looked like as he's writing these <laughs> letters, but but it was, uh, you know, a normal part of what he did when he's in prison. He was typically with a friend, yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, so we see this model in, in Christ. We see this model in Paul. Uh, we see this model even in, um, you know, not, you know, it, it back in, in Genesis chapter two, it's not good that a man should be alone. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, there's, 
well, some well, are very that, alone, you know. Yeah, let us make them in our image. Yeah, you know, that, yeah. That God Himself is community. Yeah, and that's the thing. God Himself is community, and and uh, and, and I think we we've we've only approached uh, many like Trinitarian theology is often only applied to God. However. We, like you said, right, we are created in the image of God. Therefore, we are to model the ways of God. Right. Um, so, you know, where, well, there's no command attached to that statement in Genesis 1. There's, there's definitely a truth that is inferred in, in a way that we are to live it out and then spoken of by God himself in Genesis chapter 2. Yep. yep. So, yeah. So what I'm hearing is that... Um, you should invite me to come hunt your property with you. Yeah. Yeah. As should you. <laughs> oh, that, that's, that is a great deal because there's no yeah. deer on my property. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. Well, there's yeah, nothing there's, here either right now. So no, <laughs> but it, 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 doing life together, community, um, having that person or, or a couple of those people in your sphere of influence yeah. uh, who are influencing you that are, right. Are saying, hey, did you think about this? Or have you, uh, do you really, you know, hey, I, I, you know, is this really the, the step that you think is right for you or whatever, you know, and allowing right. people to have that influence. Um, right. At times in, in life, I've had um, uh, friends who I've, you know, we've kind of given permission to, I, you know, I need you to, when you see me, ask me how my marriage is, how am I doing as a father? Uh, how's my thought life? You know, what am I uh, thinking and, and looking at and watching? And then uh, the last question is always, did you lie uh, to any of those answers? You know, right. ask right. me those four questions and, um, you know, and, and it's just a check, you know, it's, it's to, yeah. it's doing life with other guys and they have um, the authority to be able to at least ask the questions. And, um, yeah. and I think in a in a culture right now where this there's this um, toxic masculinity gets thrown around and I'm yeah. not even sure how to define it, but I right. think there's, I think there's a lot of it <laughs> in the outdoor hunting uh, pursuits. So, you know, there's guys who are, um, I don't know if it, if it's ego or arrogance or, but it comes off as, as toxic a little bit. And yeah. Um, it, it's refreshing to find people who are willing to talk about their failures. Uh, yeah. It's refreshing to, when you come across somebody who says, you know, Hey, I'm really proud of this buck, you know, and it's a one and a half year old forkhorn or something like, yeah. I don't I, that there's just something to me that I, right. I'm drawn to people that are humble and are excited right. to just be doing life. But look what happened again. Like, look what happens. See, I think society conditions us, right? Mm. So that guy puts his picture on, you know, New York State Bucks or whatever right, on Facebook. Right. I, I don't know if that page exists, but he's going to get eaten alive. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, he's going to get congratulated by a dozen guys and attacked by a hundred. Yep. And, um, and I think most of us have experienced that. I think that's part of the problem, not about Bucks, but about other. Right, right. You know, because, you know, we just, 
and and I and I think that's where we as as Christian men have to decide that we are going to do better. Yeah, we're going to model better. And you know, I sh- I shared some stuff Sunday, and um, which led into a conversation at the door at the end of church. And I said, you know, I believe that. Christian leaders need to model authenticity rather than always ask for authenticity, right? Because if we model it first, we essentially are giving others permission. And this goes for a father in their home. You know, I'm sure you've had listeners with children. Mm -hmm. Um, Kids see way more than we think. And they know if you're a fraud. They know if you're faking it. They also know if you're in process and you're trying, you know, yep. and, and none of us have arrived. Um, but I think we, we have to model that. Hey, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of broken, you know, I'm kind of a mess and, sure. and I am, my, my Christian walk is very messy. I share that with people all the time and they're like, really? I'm like, yeah, like I wrestle with stuff. Like I wrestle with God. Like mm-hmm. there's some things in there that I, I struggle with and I'm like, okay, maybe and, and sometimes it's because I have a bad interpretation or whatever, but you know, I have to wrestle through that. And uh, I think that's okay. And I think it's important to tell that to other people and help them wrestle through it with you. Yeah. So, um, you know, it affects all areas of our life or our spiritual walk or marriage or whatever. I think, again, it's so important that we are just honest about where we're at because yeah. You know, eventually, if you sweep stuff under the rug long enough, you can't stand on the rug any longer. <laughs> right. <laughs> so that's a great illustration. You know, I mean, at some yeah. point. It's a good check for me to ask often, like, when was the last time I apologized to my kids? Mm. Right. Like, as a yeah. dad, you're never supposed to mess up. You're never supposed to, uh, you know, that would show weakness. But we've tried to, Jackie and I have said we want to make sure we're apologizing to them regularly so they see that it's okay to be wrong it's okay to be in process it's okay to be humble yeah um, and it's been um you know I, I had to apologize to Rachel last week I did something goofing around with her and she goes dad that's really awkward like and and everything in me is like you're my daughter I'm gonna mess with you anyway right and, eh, you're right I'm sorry she goes, well, right. you don't have to be sorry. It was just awkward. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Learning to be able to apologize. Yeah. No, I think that's, I think that's good. I think that's good. And, uh, you know, I remember, again, I, th- I think there's, I mean, I know some men that I don't think have ever apologized. No. Right. Um, you know, we had a president that talked about how he never <laughs> needed to ask for forgiveness. Right. And again, that's not right. a, that I don't want anyone to think that's not a political political stance. I don't care how you vote. I just want you to love Jesus and love people. Um, But, but, you know, he publicly stated he he never had to ask for forgiveness. And, um, you know, I had a, I had a professor in Bible college years ago who was an older guy, old school in his approach. And he talked about, uh, I'll never forget this class. He basically said, don't get close to anybody in your church. Yeah. I had a right? pastor that, that I worked for. Yep. You know, don't get close to anybody. You know, they can't see your flaws. You need to just be a leader. And I'm thinking, well, how do you model 
reconciliation. Yeah. How do you model forgiveness? How do you model it? It's by being honest. And uh, so I understood what he's saying. Um, but I'm like, man, that's a dangerous view in, in my opinion. And I think that's an old school. I, I've shared that with a few people and they're like shocked. I'm like, no, that was that was a normal approach of of training people in ministry years ago. Um, back when the church was the center of the community and the pastor was the leader of the community and he had to look like he had it all together because if he didn't, it might cause someone to stumble. The problem is a lot of pastors got good at hiding their flaws, yep. right? And, and, yep. and, and we still are, but, but, but it was kind of expected that they did. Yeah. So to stand up and tell my church, hey, I, I, I probably need a therapist. Uh, you know, that, that wouldn't go over well then. No, uh, but reality is I need a therapist. <laughs> right. Right. So, and that's okay. That's okay. So who was it? Um, um, Gordon McDonald, um, had a failing in his marriage. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, left the church, uh, got help and, um, and he and his wife got the therapy or counseling they needed. And, uh, eventually the, the church ended up being a great example of reconciliation. They brought him back yeah. and, yeah. um, but that's very rare when you, when you see that kind of, you know, where a church learns reconciliation. Yeah. Too. Well, and think of how, how over the years we've seen Christians react hmm. when Christian leaders are restored. They're like, Oh, he's not right. Well, at, at what, at what point? do we allow the fact that God has restored a heart? Yeah. Like, yeah. I understand if you did something terrible yesterday, we might not put you back in that position today. Right. But if you are seeking God and you're honoring him in the reconciliation process, yeah. then we have, if we really believe that he forgives all things and can restore anybody, then we need to allow him to do it. <laughs> Right, and allow ourselves to believe that. So, and uh, again, that could—that's a sticky wicket, right? We could oh, go. Sure. That's a rabbit hole we could go down, and and I wrestle with it. You know, I've had Christian leaders in my life that have fallen, and yeah. uh, I really struggle with that. But I'm like, man, if we really say we believe this stuff, then we need to. Yeah. Well, and and you said I really struggle with it, and that's usually the case. Is yeah. If the person has, who had the failing is, you know, they they have come back to the, to the Lord and said, I, I've messed up. And there's that, that humble working in, in their lives with, you know, that the Lord is, is working in them. The people in the church or the community watching that they're like, okay, I want a sincere apology. I want to, I want to really see that you mean it when you, when you say you're sorry or that yeah. you've really changed. And um, there's an interesting dynamic there. And I was, I was listening to somebody just yesterday talking about when celebrities mess up, mm. um, how quickly uh, culture will receive them back. If you, if you, if there's a sincereness to their apology, you know, mm -hmm. versus just a, a written, you know, publicist statement kind of thing. Yeah. And, 
it's funny how we, you know, we grade somebody's apology when the reality is, is we don't really necessarily know their hearts and what they're experiencing, what they're feeling. Right. And, right. Uh, we're way off. <laughs> yeah, we are. Yeah. We're a little off, but that tends to happen with us. Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah. But, and, and, and I don't know, um, at the end of the day is it's not for me to know, yeah. right. Uh, if, if, you know, and I, and there are times, like, I have to be smart, right? I'm a leader. Uh, mm -hmm. So I have to make sure people are healthy if they're going to be placed back in a position of sure. influence, right? Yep. So I don't want to slide over that. But at the same time, like, if somebody tells me that they are walking right with God, that they have sought forgiveness, that they've sought reconciliation, that he has restored their heart, he's restored the joy of their salvation, that they've you know, they've put in the time, they've done the stuff, like, isn't that all of our story as Christians? Like, right, right. right like, so who am I to, like, you know, we just have to be careful, like, that we, we don't, we don't sit in judgment of people that God has forgiven. Right, <laughs> right? right exactly. That we, that we and, aren't, you know, judging them for a sin that he paid, that Christ paid for on the cross, like, um, and we do a real disservice to because when we do that, we 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 further emphasize. Don't tell anybody if you sin, right? Deal, exactly. Deal with it on your own. Hopefully, you figure it out. If you don't figure it out, at least they won't know because they won't judge you, right? You know. So, and this this is inside baseball a little bit for ministry. I, yeah, I don't, yeah, yeah. I don't yeah. know that we have many other pastors, but. For our denomination, we have a process that allows you to to confess that stuff to a, what we call a listening elder there. Um, and they don't even share that with the superintendent and they'll create help create a, uh, a plan for restoration, redemption. Sometimes it requires a, um, you know, like a six month sabbatical or a, a stepping out of ministry for a while. But it's it's all about restoration. We want to restore um, right. At least, you know, the pastors and, and we would do that with with people in our congregations as well. But it's it looks a little different with that. But it's um, yeah, and I, I'm excited that we have thought through that as a denomination. That's great. Saying, that's great. How yeah, do we and help? I, and I think um, that that's God's heart is restoration. Right. Yeah. He's in the restoration business. Yeah. And if we say we believe that man, we better, we got to work to model it. Like, yep. I mean, man, I mean, and, 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 you know, you look at, uh, you know, you look at some of those surveys about why, why don't people come to church anymore or, or why do, have they never gone to church? You know, typically what will pop up on there is how judgmental mm -hmm. church people are. It's usually somewhere on the list, you know? Yep. And why is it on the list? It's because it's true, mm -hmm. right? And I, I hate to say that, but there's there's an element of truth that you know we we need to look at our own hearts and say, okay, well, hopefully tomorrow it's less true because yeah. I'm modeling the heart of Jesus better. Yeah. Because if I'm more about modeling reconciliation and less about putting you in your place because you screwed up, like. Which one's going to change a life? Like, 
Yeah. <laughs> you know, if I call you Mike, cause I see you do something and I start with, you're an idiot. I can't believe you're so dumb. Why the heck <laughs> would you do this versus, Hey Mike, you're a friend. And I've seen, I saw this thing and I'm concerned about you. Yeah. Cause I want, I want God's best for your life. Like, and I love you. Like that's going to go way further. Right. And both have addressed the issue, but one did it in a manner that glorifies God, right? And yeah. honors who he is. So you know, yep. I think we need to think think through that because, again, part of, the, and, and maybe, again, for some of your listeners, maybe some of the reason people don't come to you when they struggle and ask you to help them bear the burdens is because they've seen you do it wrong. Like, yeah, you know, uh, we have to think through that stuff, you know? Right. Got to think right. through that stuff. And I think you got to, we have to encourage a culture that allows for somebody to speak into our lives too. Mm. You know what I mean? Like if, if we keep the wall up all the time and John, you, you have seen me do something and you're going to come and, and want to say, Hey, I care about you and want, right, right, right. If I'm not willing to receive that and I'm holding you out at an arm's length, I'm not letting people in because I don't want to be called out. I want to continue to do what I'm doing, whatever the case is. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, but it's on both sides of that, that line. And so I think we have to encourage that. We also have to uh, continue to model what reconciliation looks like done in a right way so that people sure. do feel that, like you were saying, comfortable in being able to come out and, and, and yeah. receive or confess or whatever. So yeah yeah oh it's good stuff well we're we're close to your you got a place you got to run off to yeah yeah i gotta i gotta leave the office in 15 20 minutes yeah probably 15 15 safe oh because if i say if i say 20 i won't leave for 25 and then i'm late because <laughs> i'm gonna have to go see what's going on I, I think someone's working on sheetrock in the office next to mine is what it is but hopefully oh. not much noise came through um, i didn't hear any noise but uh, if somebody's working on sheetrock in the room next to mine i i'm my office is literally attached to our bedroom um yeah it was a, I think, uh, I think it was a nursery or something at one point. Well, our bedroom used to be a, an open screen porch and they just closed it in. There's no heat in our room or anything. So okay. if there's sheetrock work going on over there, then uh, there's something going on that I, I should be aware of. <laughs> so, <laughs> true. 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 Uh, well, John, I appreciate your friendship. I do. Yeah. Um, I appreciate the, you know, the, the back and forth, the banter that we have, but also yeah. the, um, uh, you know, I count you in that, that sphere of influence for me. Right. Um, yeah, I appreciate that. And it, it, it hasn't taken long for us to yeah. get to that point. Right. Um, yeah. It's, it's, it's funny because, um, you, you know, you got to put yourself out there, uh, but there are times like certain people you just click with, right? And yeah. you know, right? I can trust this person where, you know, we view a lot of life the same way, you know, similar perspectives. Um, yeah, no, I, I would, I would agree with that. And I really appreciate you. And I know if I say something and you disagree with me, you're going to be like, well, I don't really see it that way. You know, and it's, yeah. And I think, again, we, we need to have those relationships where, you know, we, 
you and I, we've only been friends a little over a year, but, and we didn't start by, you know, Mike and I didn't get a hold of, Hey, you know what? Let's be accountability partners. That would have been a weird first conversation. Yeah. That would have been really weird, <laughs> but you know, that you can call me or I can call you and say, Hey, you know, am I seeing this clearly? What do you think? Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I think that's, again, that's just being the body of Christ. That's, you know, yep. And uh, yeah, I appreciate it. I appreciate it. So, hey, I have a great book for you. Oh yeah, to read. It, completely off topic, but it's called oh, the, okay. rise, the Rise and Fall of Dispensationalism. Oh, and the, yeah. and the subtitle is How the Evangelical Battle Over the End Times Shaped a Nation. Whoa, that's yeah, loaded. yeah, yeah. I'm I'm really looking. Let's forward see the to cover. That. Of it. Let's see the cover here. Uh, Daniel Hummel. Yeah, Mark Knoll, great church historian. Interesting. Richard Middleton did a review on the back. Yeah. Okay. So Interesting. I'm, uh, jumping into that as I'm reading uh, reading Revelation responsibly. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Which is the name of a book? He's not telling yes. that he's reading <laughs> Revelation responsibly. I mean, hopefully he is. But yes, I hope you should host like, your own. Like Gorman, I believe, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I haven't gotten far in that. I. Uh, but yeah, it's it's interesting. But again, like um, we say, like um, we we got to do our homework, right? Right? And I mean, we could take a total turn on this stuff, but yeah, like, like I think of like my views on eschatology, which would be the study of end times, for those of you that don't know, um, and uh, I would say most of my life. What I would tell you, I believed, I believe because someone else told me, not yep. because I did the work. Yep. And so, you know, I'm, I, you know, do do your homework right. <laughs> for whatever that's worth, right? Do you? That's do your great. I, that's a great piece of advice right there. So. <laughs> All right, I, I'm gonna wrap us up, I guess. Close All us right. up, and um, uh, so yeah, you're. I think this is number four for you so um where uh, where can people find you if they have not found you already uh well this afternoon i'll be at a, a restaurant uh no um no so i i run a, a large hunting page on instagram wild game freaks and uh, again if you're looking for to be entertained to learn a little, some of my story but also in a family-friendly environment uh, there's no, you know, scantily clad people, not me or anyone else. <laughs> there's no language, you know, it's all, it's all, it's all PG. Uh, so you can join me in that little thing there at Wild Game Freaks. Or if, if you want to, you know, if you're not on there and you want to get a hold of me directly, you can, you know, feel free to shoot me an email. If, if you think I said heresy or you want to dive into some more topics, I mean, hey, I'm, I love dialoguing with people. You can email me at pastorjohn at heartlandbible.org. John is J-O-N. Heartland is H-A-R-T-L-A-N-D. So pastorjohn at heartlandbible.org. So feel free to reach out. I'd love to chat. So. Yeah. And where would they find you on a Sunday morning if they're in the neighborhood? Sunday morning, I am at Heartland Bible Church, which is... 8110 West Avenue in Gasport, New York, which is a terrible name for a town, but everything's a port and there was a natural gas spring here. So 
Hence gas port. We're right on the, yeah. So yeah. And uh, worship starts at 1030. And if there's anybody listening that's looking for a church, doesn't have a church they worship at, and I preface it that way. If you got a good church, stay there. <laughs> right. But if you're Amen. floating and you need a place to connect, you know, feel free to feel free to check us out. So we'd love to see you. Fantastic. Yeah. Great. Well, thanks, John. I appreciate it. Yeah. And uh, enjoy your lunch. Hey, thanks. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Yeah.